to the Educating All Learners Alliance podcast. Today, we're sharing the audio of a webinar that we hosted in partnership with Gradient Learning. And in this session, we discuss the power of student-teacher connection. Now, we know that this can be difficult for many in virtual hybrid settings, let alone in-person teaching settings. And so we hope this session empowers you to further the connections that you do have with students and their families and to start some new ones. Enjoy the session. We're gonna go ahead and kick off today's session. My name's Gabrielle Oates, and I'm here representing the Educating All Learners Alliance, but we are happy to share this session today on the power of student-teacher connection, uh, partnership between the Educating All Learners Alliance and Gradient Learning. Um, so just to give you all a little bit of introduction to what ELA is, as we like to call it. Um, so ELA started in response to COVID-19, and essentially since that time, we have brought together over 70 partner organizations. We've uh, developed resources, webinars such as this one, and recently a podcast to highlight best practices in the field of special education, particularly for students with disabilities. And so any opportunity we have to highlight some best resources like this one, we are happy to do so. And so then continuing on, uh, I just wanted to give you all a brief introduction to some of the founding partners of the Alliance. So you'll see their logos here on the screen. Um, and so we have, like I mentioned, over 70 organizations who have since joined us since April of 2020, and we're happy to continue on our work. And so today's speakers um, will be introduced. I'll go ahead and pass it over to Marjorie Smalls. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all who have joined us uh, on this webinar and those who will be listening afterwards. We are so glad to have you. My name is Marjorie Smalls. I'm the business development and partnership strategist for Gradient Learning. And what that means is I couldn't be more excited to partner with people and groups and organizations that help to promote our missions. And ELA is a wonderful, a new partnership that we've established. And we're very thankful in order to share this upcoming information. Just a little bit about Gradient. Um, we're a nonprofit organization that creates this captivating solution to meet the holistic needs of our children. And we also foster success for our educators schools and communities. And so what we are what we want you to get out of this today, this isn't going to be your normal webinar. We want you to engage. We want you if you have a question, we want you to put it in the chat and then we'll provide some opportunities for us to have those discussions at the end of the session. If by chance, as I said, you are catching this after the live presentation, please note at the end of the slide, we have resources for you to take a look at, ways in which to contact us and ask us more additional questions in order, again, to continue to build our alliance and our relationships. So what I'm going to promise you, because relationships are important, and that's why it is so exciting for, again, for us to partner with ELA. And in this relationship, we have to give and we have to receive. So here's what we promise to give to you today. We want to make sure that when you walk away from this, you're going to understand that impact of teacher and student connections. And this is gonna be especially applicable for students with disabilities, but not just for them, but for 
all students. Um, you're going to be provided with some tools that we have, because when I tell you we have some of the brightest people on our team in order to help you with this, we're going to give you some tools, a pedagogical approach, and ways to build the work that you've already been doing. So I'm going to stop running my mouth, and I want to present my exciting team to you. On today, we're, we have um, Jeff, who is our king of, of um, all things that are for diverse learners. He is on our school and district success team. And then we also have Crystal. Crystal is an amazing resource. Um, she's with our professional learning team and she's gonna drop some knowledge on you and challenge you to think of things differently. And then we'll also have Susan who is with our school and district success, but she we have a product called Along, which again, dropping some knowledge on you providing you with some tools, opportunities to ask questions, and let's continue to share and collaborate. So enough of me, Jeff, take it away. So in case it's new to you, 2020 has been an incredibly different, difficult year all around. There are natural disasters, including a lot of wildfires in the West. We had a prolific hurricane season. We've been dealing with lots of racial unrest. There's been a ton of election-related anxiety. And to top it off, of course, there's a coronavirus pandemic. During that time, the education system received a jarring, complete, heavily scrutinized, and largely supported overhaul. There was lack of academic, emotional, and medical supports across the board. And most important, knowing that humans naturally are a social species that rely on interaction and cooperation to survive and thrive, there was a lack of in-person connection. We've all been impacted in some way, though arguably our country's youth, and especially as Marjorie was saying, those with disabilities have been hit the hardest, considering they have not been able to escape that daily monotony. They've not been able to access the clubs and events that they love at school. They've not been able to interact informally with familiar spaces indoors or within a six foot radius. And they've not been able to be supported academically in a way that works for them. While this need is not necessarily new, 2020 has drastically amplified the inequalities that we're all aware exist. This shined a huge spotlight on the ways we serve these underserved populations and their need for personal connection in order to remain in school. The National Center for Educational Outcomes reported that before the pandemic, by the time a student enrolls in high school, regular attendance is a far greater dropout indicator than test scores. Furthermore, students with disabilities are 150% more likely to be chronically absent than students without disabilities. In addition to this, a Bellwether education report that just recently came out states that approximately 3 million of the most educationally marginalized students in the country since March might have been the last time they experienced any formal education, whether they be virtually or in person. 3 million additional students have dropped out since March. Just take a minute and think about that for a second. With that in mind, you should also know that this does not need to be the case. There are some very actionable ways we can begin to combat these horrifying statistics, some of which we hope to illuminate during today's presentation. At the end of the day, we're aiming to leave you with some inspiration and strategy that you can use the very next time you see your students. For now, I'd like to paint a picture of what it might look like to effectively support students through what will clearly be one of the most challenging times in their life. 
Kairos Academy is a, is a school in Missouri um, that has been working diligently to facilitate the student-teacher connection to support students with things like academics, time management, and stress. And it's important to note that while a structure like the one that Kairos has set up is aspirational, there are also lots of bite-sized starting points that Susan will be discussing a little bit later in our presentation. At Kairos, Alyssa, who is going to be the focal point here, is a seventh grader, and she's paired with a teacher who they refer to as Coach, who she meets with regularly. We're going to watch a clip where Alyssa describes how she felt at the onset of the pandemic and how she responds to that setback. Alyssa, how did you feel when the pandemic hit? I was kind of scared because I didn't want anybody in my family specifically to pass away or anything. But Alyssa and her family did face a tragic loss. We were really sorry to hear that your grandfather passed away during the pandemic. When that happened, how did your friends and your coach help you through that? My coach, she helped me emotionally as well as academically. When I was back in school, I just didn't really do anything. I kind of just sat there on my phone and sulked. And she just kind of helped me get back on my feet and set goals again for myself. I think you are going to like the novel. It's about a strong female lead character. Now, in the, I'm going to show you one more clip. And in this next clip, um, after meeting with her coach weekly, Alyssa is going to take the time to both describe how her relationship with this coach, as well as the structure Kairos implemented, has shifted her perspective. Let's watch this next clip. Taking those types of things into account is really important because you don't know what anyone's going through. And especially times like now, um, our students are going through a lot. And for Alyssa, that support has carried her through this pandemic. She gave me a sense of security and I just felt a lot better after our check-ins and they became a lot more important. Now, while Alyssa's story may be unique to her and to Kairos, I'd like to shift gears and make this personal for you. I'd like you all to take a minute to think of a student who has been impacted positively by a personal connection either since the onset of the pandemic or even before the pandemic. So I want you to take a second and think about this person in your mind, and then you're going to use the chat feature at the bottom of the screen to describe in two to three sentences how this connection benefited that student. I'm gonna give you one minute to do so, starting now.
Thank you for these. They're coming in. I expect we'll see a few more. And whether you put that in chat or whether you've thought about that in your mind, throughout this session, I'm going to ask you to continue thinking about this person who you just identified. So please keep them on the top of your mind. Now, I'm going to turn it over to Crystal, who's going to walk us through and help us understand a little bit more about what it takes to create those powerful and effective student-teacher connections. All right, so here at Summit Learning and at Gradient Learning, we work really hard to make sure that everything we do is grounded in two things, education research, and also just what we know from being educators in the field and what we see in our classrooms every day. And as a result of those experiences and our digging into the research over the years, we really centered on a few core truths that are at the foundation of the work that we do. And those core truths are about that student-teacher connection. The first, so what do we know? What do we know about the student-teacher connection? We know that relationships are critical to engagement in school. And we also know that engagement is critical, unsurprisingly, to academic success. So I'm gonna start by talking about that first piece, the connection between relationships and engagement. Before we talk about relationships, we need to define our terms. So at Gradient Learning, when we say relationships, we are talking about something called a developmental relationship. And a developmental relationship is a relationship in which both the teacher and the student grow as a result of their interactions. And we saw this in the video. Uh, specifically, we saw it when the student, Alyssa, was talking about how uh, when I got back to school, she just I just kind of sat there, I sold on my phone. She was going through a really tough time. And it was because of that developmental relationship that she had with her mentor established before uh, this difficult period in her life that Alyssa was able to provide some critical support for her um, uh, to get through the struggles that we all face in life in general, but especially are facing during this difficult period. And so I want you to uh, think back again now to that student that Jeff had you bring to the front of your mind and think about in that student or in other students, what have been some signs that you've seen when those students are disengaged? I saw um, in the chat, one person was talking about in remote learning, what that sometimes looks like. We've had to be a little bit more alert to different types of signals now of disengagement than we have in the past. And in remote learning, you know, sometimes it looks like logging in, but not really staying in class. And um, sounds like this person in the chat, uh, Courtney, hi Courtney, <laughs> sounds like she did an incredible job of reaching out to that student and pulling her back in and helping her re-engage in school. Um, and so I also want you to think about what are the signs of disengagement and how have relationships helped and to go ahead and drop that in the chat as well so that we can um, see examples of this great work in your own classrooms in addition to what we're seeing and share with the group. Um, I know for myself, an example is I had a student who, uh, this was before the pandemic, um, and he, I knew him really well. He was always like this fun loving guy and he just, he just seemed off to me. It was like little things, like he wasn't smiling as much. He was off task more often. And when I dug into it, it turns out he had decided he wasn't gonna pass math. He's like, I'm just not gonna do math anymore. I'm just gonna fail and I can't do it. And because of the developmental relationship that I had with him prior, I was able to pull in people who he cared about in his life. His mom and his sister was really important to him. And we were able to have a really deep conversation about how he was feeling and help him find the motivation to push through that struggle. That's what we call a developmental relationship. 
Um, I also see uh, an example from uh, Tara in the chat that she said that um, because of the one-on-one -on -one time that he had with the teacher, he was more willing to ask questions in class. It, we all know as teachers how important asking questions is. It's such a, that is a true sign of engagement. So I really wanted to connect that in here because engagement, as I said, comes from relationships. You have those relationships first and that leads to engagement and the highest level of engagement is a student asking a question. All right, so unsurprisingly, you've seen it in your classrooms, we've seen it in our classrooms. It also shows up in the research. Um, a, a synthesis of research from 2017 showed pretty convincingly that even after controlling for differences in students' backgrounds across a variety of different uh, factors, positive student-teacher relationships were associated with both short-term and long-term gains in lots of different measures of engagement in school, including academic engagement, attendance, reduced disciplinary issues, and even high school completion. So, with that clearly shown in the uh, both the literature and in our own lived experiences, I want to move on to the next piece of what we know about the student-teacher connection. We've established that relationships lead to engagement, they drive engagement, and now we're at engagement drives academic success. Unsurprisingly, this also bears out in the literature. This reading um, that I want to talk about quickly is one that I strongly recommend. I love this reading. I come back to it all the time. Uh, and it's a great read. It is easy read. It's just a synthesis of a lot of research on social, emotional, and academic development. And specifically, it focuses on what teachers can do um, to support students in these areas. And there's one quote in this reading. It comes in right in the beginning. And uh, I always come back to it because it really helps me um, come to the core of the work that we do and why we do it here at Summit Learning. And the quote goes like this, teachers are more often encouraged to focus on what is being learned rather than grapple with why students are not fully participating in the learning. We know that to ensure equity, we have to ensure access. And to ensure access, we have to think about why students may or may not be able to or want to engage in the learning experiences that we've designed for them. I know for myself, I've done a lot of PD where I've attended and I've talked about things like objectives and content and you know uh, teaching methods. These are all very important, but none of that matters if the students are not engaged in the learning experience that you've designed. It doesn't matter how great your content is if your students are not able to engage with the content that you're teaching. And so this at Summit Learning and Gradient, this brought us to the question, well, how do we get students to engage? How do we do that? And one great way is relationships. So if you look at um, uh, back to the video that we saw at the beginning, the, the teacher in this video is a great example of a teacher who is focusing on grappling with the why. Why are students able to or willing to uh, engage in the content I teach? And she says, you know, it, especially right now, taking these types of things into account is really important because you don't know what a student's going through. And especially during times right now, students are going through a lot. This has been true before the pandemic and it's especially true in this moment. And so I also wanna bring this back to you and your own students. Um, take a minute now to drop in the chat your answer to this question. What do your students need to be able to engage and put in effort in school? What needs to be in place for that to happen? 
Some things are universal. Some things are context specific. Here's the thing. We all know, you can go ahead and work on those now. I'm going to keep talking over while you, while you drop in your, um, you, what your students specifically need. But as bigger context, learning is tough. It's hard. It takes a lot of emotional energy and it takes a lot of mental energy. And a lot needs to be in place for any human being to actually learn something and to do the hard work that is needed to really learn. And uh, I know for myself, uh, when I'm learning, I need to feel seen, heard, and known. And I think it's the same for my students. Uh, when I was teaching, I often felt that just knowing little things about them and commenting on that when I saw them in the hallway or I met with them in the, you know, uh, as I walked through my door in the morning, I, I used to send out a survey every Friday where I just was like, how was your week? Tell me one good thing that happened, one bad thing that happened. And just remembering what they said and mentioning it to them at any point made a huge difference in their ability to engage in the learning. I'm seeing some great stuff um, coming through. Uh, there we go. Um, yeah, so sometimes they need a little push, they need a little nudge and seeing some comments about a little bit of pressure, a little bit of, a little bit of accountability. Um, sometimes they need fun, games, yeah, me too, a little bit of joy goes a long way in learning. These are all little pieces that help students to actually engage in school, help us know that we see them and help us build our developmental relationships with them. Unsurprisingly, again, this also plays out in the research. We know it in our gut, we know it in our hearts, we see it in our classrooms, um, but you can also document this in research. Uh, I'm just gonna cite two meta-analyses here, um, two big studies, like lots and lots of studies synthesized together showed they asked the question, okay, well, what is the, what is most connected? What most drives students' academic success? Things like grades, high school completion, college readiness. They looked at a lot of different factors. What did they find? They found that attendance and effort were much bigger drivers of academic success, things like grades and college readiness than demographics, test scores. We all get a lot of PD on tests. Uh, or what courses they happen to be taking. Important, important things to consider. It's in the data, it's in our guts. So this brings me back to our theory of action. We established that relationships drive engagement and we've established that engagement drives academic success. So you can say things like, well, great, Crystal, you know, that's sure, I, we, we know that already, but how do we do that? How do we actually develop the types of relationships that can lead to engagement and academic success? What are the practical applications that we can, what can I do tomorrow? I'm on board, what can I do now? Well, for that, I will pass it off to Susan. Susan, who just caught, caught answering in the chat that we're gonna make sure that, that we share all of these things um, with, with everyone. Um, so, I think about the, the practical application of things and I think a lot about um, the how, right? So um, if we ask someone to form a developmental relationship with students, it can seem like this insurmountable thing, like a developmental relationship, how do we do that? Um, or if we think about um, student mindsets, for example, we might think that students' mindsets can't be influenced. Um, I remember um, teacher colleagues when I first started teaching say things like, well, he just doesn't care about school. 
or he just doesn't, he just doesn't want to learn. And, and I, mm, mm, really, it's, it feels like sort of a blanket statement. And so, um, Jeff, will you go ahead and share the statements? Um, because these are student-centered. So how true these statements feel within a classroom determines how likely students are to actually be able to focus their attention and persevere through those challenging academic tasks. And I think about what Crystal said just about attendance. Um, I used to tell my babies, just come to school. That's half the battle, right? Just get here. And then if students say, you know what, I, I feel like I belong here. And if students say, I can do this. Um, if students feel like they have the ability to put in effort and, and to grow alongside um, their teacher and, and other students in the classroom. If they feel like the work that they're doing, they can see themselves in that work, they understand why they're doing it, they have value, then they are more likely to persevere and to achieve that academic success that Chris was talking about. Okay, great, so like, how do we do that? Um, I wanted to, to pull up a quote from, from a teacher that um, is well known and loved uh, for us at Gradient Learning. Um, I work with her um, on a long, she's done some piloting of our new tool um, and uh, she's also done some work, a lot of work with us at Summit Learning. Um, and she says, in this time, teachers are beginning to realize for those that didn't, that our students are human and that they have good days and they have bad days and that they have ugly days. And that at this point, we're all experiencing the same thing. The anxiety we feel is the same anxiety they feel and the isolation, right? And it's given teachers a moment to realize that we can actually show up for each other. And so that's sort of the aspect that I wanna continue to focus on in terms of developmental. We show up for each other. So if we think about getting practical, um, what are, I wanna think about what are some of the teacher moves that actually help students go ahead, yeah, have that sense of belonging, believe that they can succeed, have that growth mindset. What are some of the small moves that we make as teachers every day that help students feel like they belong? And just think about it for a minute and then drop a few in, in the chat. I can share a few. Um, my favorite was showing up at the door. Every day, it didn't matter what I was doing at 8 a.m. when the students came down the hallway, I was at the door and I greeted each of them by name, said good morning with a smile. It seems simple to us, but it means the world to a child and it forms that relationship with them. Some of the other things that, that we think about that we might already be doing, um, and it depends on our students. I think about students with disabilities. Making eye contact is important depending on the student. And here's where you know your student and what that particular student needs. Um, I always think about um, my student Bailey, making eye contact was very uncomfortable for Bailey, but there were other things that I could do to help Bailey have a sense of belonging. Um, I love this, Crystal says, opportunities for them to make connections. Um, I 100% agree with that. Um, there's also some research that says that um, one of the most influential um, indicators of whether or not a student can succeed is if their teacher believes they can. And I think about how many times we as teachers are actually the barrier and we don't even need to be. And so we say, well, this is too hard for my students. I don't think they can do that. And so then we don't put it in front of them and we don't give them the opportunity to do it. Um, and that's with all students, but sometimes especially um, with our students with disabilities. Um, and so there are ways that we can help them access that content. 
in ways that we can help them have that growth mindset. I love it. Connect the content to personal goals. Yeah, you're having goals conversations, amen. Um, that is another really great way to, to help students um, really have a sense of belonging and believe that they can succeed and is actually central to Summit Learning um, and, and the foundation in, in mentoring that we have in Summit Learning. There are a couple other things that, that we can do to sort of kick it up a notch if we haven't already. Um, we can formalize. Um, I think about how we formalize things for equity. Um, and the big, big phrase that comes to mind for me, and bear with me on this one, hope is not a plan, right? Like we can get up every morning and have the best intentions in the world and hope that we're going to be able to reach this student today or accomplish this thing today, but that's not a plan to make it happen. And so I love that hope cannot be a plan. I agree. <laughs> Um, it, it, it can't be. And so if we make a plan, if we formalize some of these processes, um, and I don't mean like, you know, um, make it a very rigid structure, then they're more likely to happen. So for example, um, one way is, is to create buy-in as you're making that plan with students. If students feel like in part it was their idea, even if it wasn't their idea, we can help them make it feel like it was their idea and say, hey guys, I'd like to check in with each of you just, just for a few minutes every week. Do you think we could make a calendar to do that? If you make that calendar then public, it's on a wall somewhere or it's on a Google calendar where everyone can see it. Now you have accountability buddies. You have a lot of little buddies who are gonna look forward to that and hold you accountable to it. If you set some expectations for yourself and for your students and you teach them how to do those processes, for example, hey, when you come to our check-in this week, I want you to come prepared to tell me um, one goal that you accomplished this week or one thing that you struggled with this week that you would like some help with. Now the students are there, you have to prepare. Like I'm gonna come to that meeting and I'm gonna have that thing. And then, I always want to remind us to expect setbacks as teachers, and I, oh, I'm guilty of this every day. I think I'm going to put this plan in place and it's going to go off without a hitch. And if 2020 taught us anything, it is that there, nothing's going to go off without a hitch, right? And so I think going back to those mindsets that we can influence students, right, um, that something has value for them, um, would be to include them in the process of, of this plan for equity and stop and say, hey guys, we're about two weeks into this. Ask for feedback. What's working? What's not working? Um, kids give the very best feedback and they take it very seriously and they will give you great ideas to improve your process if we're open to it. Um, one of the best things I ever did in my classroom was stop assuming I had all of the answers and say, here's a problem that I'm grappling with for us. Does anybody have any ideas or suggestions? Um, and all of those things go together um, to, as Crystal said, make kids want to be there, make kids want to put in the effort, even when they're about to give up um, and make kids feel seen and known. The last thing I'll say about formalization is um, agendas are great. So in the Summit Learning Program, um, specifically in the mentoring sessions, we include agendas. The agendas are set for 10 minutes. And, and you know, sometimes an agenda feels like a source of friction. 
right? Like, what do you mean? Somebody thinks I can't have a conversation with a student? Nope, that is not what we're saying at all. What an agenda does or what formalizing a process does, it takes the pressure off of you thinking about what you have to ask next or what you need to talk about next. And it helps you stay on track so that you're talking about the student, both social emotional, their, their um, emotional needs as well as their academic needs. Um, so the more we can sort of put, put a name on it, put a plan together and share that with students, the more likely we are to be able to develop these relationships. Cool, so next steps, which somebody was asked, um, we have a few resources that we're absolutely gonna share with you. We'll include them in the, in the slideshow afterward. One is the research that um, Crystal um, referenced from the University of Chicago. Um, that heavily plays into to my repertoire. I use it all the time um, and it's very practical. At Along um, and in Summit Learning Mentoring Search Institute has been a really great partner for us in thinking about um, the power moves of connecting with children, um, turnaround for children. Um, and then Crystal's attached the, the specific five attachment power moves here. Um, you're gonna look at some of them and just go, duh, I already do that. Yeah, that's the point. We're already doing a lot of it. And then the last one is you can check out Along and Summit Learning. Um, at Gradient Learning, we believe in this power of relationships so much that we've doubled down on it. It is the core component to both of our offerings, um, Along and Summit Learning. So thank you. And I'm going to turn it over to Jeff. So thank you all. And thank you all for spending some time with us here. You can find our contact information here for both Summit Learning, I'll represent that, and then for educating all learners, just to learn a little bit more if you would like, um, or to ask questions about this specific presentation. Oops. You should know, um, I'm actually gonna skip ahead one slide and show you this is, this is some questions in the chat. There are some references here that we've talked about during this presentation including a link to the presentation on the top right hand corner of the screen. You'll be able to find this recording after the fact through all the same avenues that you found this recording to begin with. And then as you go through the presentation by yourself independently, you'll be able to click on the different things in the presentation to bring you to specifically what we've been talking about. So this will be there for you. You're all set and be on the lookout for this in the next um, couple of days or the next short while. Having said that, I want to go back and think about this quote that's been around, you've probably heard before, but I think it rings true now more than ever. Students don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. While that's resonating, while that's going around in your mind for a second, I want to open it up if there are any questions that have come up during this presentation. I know Marjorie may have um, some questions that are pre-populated from um, people before the presentation even happened. I'm gonna stop sharing my screen now so our full team can be here as well. And like Jeff mentioned, please feel free to add in any questions now. Um, but we do have some questions for our speakers that we already had. Um, now, I know, Jeff, you showed the video clips of the student who experienced some family loss. So um, would each of you be able to touch on potentially 
the line between connecting uh, mental health services and sort of this engagement work. Some teachers may not fully feel qualified to address those things. So are you able to touch on maybe some points there? Yeah, I can, I can start and then anybody else chime in. Um, it's a difficult line. And this is a question we get all the time about sort of where does my comfortability stop? Where does it end? Um, and also I have like a lot of regulations at my school, a lot of which I know and some of which I don't know. I just, I wanna be able to support my students but I don't wanna get into hot water either. The answer to it is also not particularly easy. It's gonna be different at different schools at different states and different contexts. But the ideal here is that we're not asking you to be a mental health professional. That's not, that's not what we're going for. What we're going for is asking you to be an aware party and to be able to engage with your students at a level where you can see, oh, this student's, you know, something's off, something's not going well, or this student's doing awesome, I need to support them with that. However, if a student's not doing well and you think that this student, you know, needs a little bit more support than you can provide, we're ask not asking you to provide that support, but we're asking you to be a knowledgeable party and say, oh, I know where the support lives. I know who I can reach out to to support this student and to be able to help facilitate that connection. Anything else from anybody? Yeah, um, I would add that I, I think we know in our gut when we reached a point that it is beyond our expertise. Um, and at least for myself, so there's obviously the official rules as to what when you should or shouldn't and that varies state by state. But I also think we know as teachers a lot of times when something has come up that um, the student needs more support than I can provide or should provide for them. I am not the best person to provide the support. Um, and I think one of the great things about having these connections with students is we're much more in tune to their needs and much more likely to notice when they do need that kind of support to be able to direct them and their families um, to the resources that they need or to bring the attention to our school other people, you know, higher up people at our school that we need to check in with the student in a different type of way. Um, so I, I would say yes, and one of the great benefits of having these relationships is that you then are more able to notice when you need to seek the support of somebody of a different type of professional. Absolutely, and there was sort of a follow-up in the chat, just pushing a little further into that question. Uh, what could the teachers do or what recommendations do you have when that expert might not feel that they're actually reaching the student? I'll say that's like a very, very common feeling. All the time when I was working with students, I'd be like, am I supporting the student in the right way? Are they getting the help that they need? Um, and it's, it's very, very common. I think uh, there's one thing I was going to say. Let me turn it over because I want to be able to formulate my thought correctly. Does anybody else have anything to add first? I will add one other thing, which is um, there are also a lot of times experts outside the school building, uh, which varies very varies quite significantly by community and location and state and district. But um, at least for my own school or my own mentees, we eventually generated a list of other resources in our community that we could um, direct families and students to. So that's also an option as well. I'll just throw that in there. What I was going to say was actually going back to the video we originally watched, where if you remember, Alyssa says, um, I didn't really, I didn't really like, I didn't know what to think of these connections when, I, when they first started happening. But then after time, after there's a repetitive process through some of the things Susan was saying, like, I'm going to be there for that student each day. I'm going to talk to them each day. And I'm just going to keep letting that student know that I am there. 
Alyssa's mindset changed significantly saying like, I'm actually really enjoying these. I'm actually really able to connect with this person in a way that I was not able to connect with them before. And then finally also in doing so, there are students, some of whom are easier to connect with and some of whom are not as easy to connect with um, who take very different forms and whose um, need shows up in different ways. The sort of support to this is sort of what Susan was saying again before about being able to formalize these supports and formalize these connections in order to ensure equity for our students. So we don't necessarily want to be saying this student who was presenting the loudest is going to get all the support all the time when there's a quieter student over here who has the same level of need at some other point when we formalize we're able to support students equitably across the board. Yeah, I also would add um, the point Susan was saying about setbacks, expecting setbacks. Um, any relationship in your life you can think of, like there have been times when you're like, you know, even the people you are the closest to would love the most when you're like, you know, like <laughs> it's a little tension. So um, you have to play the long game, I think, uh, with developmental relationships and with student-teacher connection. And you have to uh, sometimes just, you know, like you said, just keep showing up for them, keep showing up for them, get those formalized processes in place and keep following your processes and just wait for it to really sink in for them to really trust that like, actually, yes, I'm, you are here for them and you are going to continue to be here no matter what. Um, so uh, I would just add that on as well. Yeah, consistency is definitely a big piece of it. Um, I know you also shared the recommendation for people to look into turnaround for children, and they've also done a lot of emphasis on the whole child approach work. So definitely look into those resources. Um, and we did receive another question in the chat. I know you mentioned showing up, but in this virtual and hybrid setting, that can be challenging when you're not necessarily able to physically approach students with resources or um, even just connection. So are there any tips for teachers on navigating the different way school is happening right now? I'm seeing Susan come off mute, so I'll yeah. turn it over to Susan. No, I'm happy to, to speak to that, Sam. I think um, what we've seen in, especially with Summit Learning, um, is teachers continuing to have that, the, the formalized mentoring over a VC. Um, and that can be difficult because of scheduling, right? And so what are ways that, that they can check in asynchronously? So some have gone to, to different chat features um, or you know, text out to the whole group, send me an emoji of how you're feeling today. Um, is it as good as the hug in person? No, um, no, it's never gonna be, but it's still another way to let them um, know that you're there. Um, that's in part one reason why, why along, why we're thinking about a new tool. It is an asynchronous check-in. It is a way for a teacher to send a quick reflection video to her students and her students reflect back just to the teacher. Um, and so any way that we can think about um, taking that offline um, and not having to check in at 1205 exactly on a Tuesday um, has helped students as well. So it's, we all are thinking outside the box. And so um, is Along already out? Um, we are out doing limited pilots. Click, if you will click on the, um, or go to along.org, um, you can see how to get more information. So it is not out to the wide, wide world. That does not mean that um, it can't be out for people in this call. I think we have time for maybe one more question. Yeah, well, I mean, there's so many answer. questions. Yeah, what was that, Jeff? 
Crystal, did you have something you wanted to add to the last one? Um, yeah, I also wanted to make a pitch for the um, the quote from our, our teacher, Tynetta. Um, actually links to a webinar. And if you watch that full webinar, it definitely for people who are in the summit learning program, teachers in the summit learning program, but I think it applies honestly a lot of that to teachers in any context, has a lot of really great tips about how to engage students during virtual learning and remote learning um, and how it's different to engage students in a virtual versus a non-virtual setting. So I would make a pitch to go uh, watch that webinar with Tynetta and there's another teacher in there as well and then one of our success managers to hear some of the things they've done and see if any of that applies to your school. Yeah and sort of as we wrap up um, just like you mentioned with that webinar with Tynetta and as you alluded to throughout the webinar for students with disabilities things might look differently and might not work as well so do you have any recommendations on ways to make this work more accessible for students with disabilities? It's 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 a it's a broad topic because students with disabilities like they present in wildly different ways. So I'm not, I don't have a silver bullet to say this is the way you're going to support students with disabilities and fostering that connection. What I will say though is you need to be thinking about it from a mindset of students with disabilities and all students receive information in unique ways and they express information in unique ways. So you need to be thinking about with your students, what are the unique ways that, that student is going to respond to you or that you can go back to the original quote that we were talking about where you're able to show that student how much you care. That's gonna look very different for very different students. Um, but you think about trust your instincts, trust what you've been working on and trust the supports and some of the resources that we've given you to sort of start those bite-sized pieces to be able to foster that connection with your students. Yeah, I would go back to um, what we were saying before, which is that to ensure equity, we have to ensure access. And to ensure access, we have to think about why a student, any of our students, but especially students with disabilities, may or may not be able to or want to engage in the learning experience that we've designed. And so it just comes back to knowing your students well, both as people and as learners, and thinking about how are they going to express themselves and making sure that you are receiving information from them in the way that they express it, and how can you express yourself in a way that they're able to receive it. Um, and then I think all the same principles apply about developmental relationships. Beautiful. You want to close that, Gabrielle? Absolutely. Well, thank you all. As a reminder, be sure to check out Gradient Learning, um, along.org, and also educatingalllearners.org. We'll be sharing, like we mentioned, the recording, more resources, so that way you can share it with your peers as well. Um, and stay tuned for any other future webinars that might uh, address some of these topics. So. Thank you all for joining us today. We hope to see you again soon. Again, we hope you found this episode helpful. Stay tuned for more episodes like this, uh, as well as our Five Minutes With series. You can watch the recording of this webinar with the visual provided on Educating All Learners YouTube channel. Find out more from our resource library at educatingalllearners.org. And of course, follow us on Twitter at educateall underscore org. Until next time, this is the Educating All Learners Alliance podcast.